0: A big thank you to the TalkPython team who sponsor this episode of the podcast. If you want to get better at Python, now is an excellent time to take an online course. Whether you are just learning Python to delve into great topics like artificial intelligence or you need to go deep into things like APIs and async, my friends at TalkPython Training have a top-notch course for you. Visit talkpython.fm slash mind to find your next level and get a 10% discount. Also a big thank you to all my patrons who support the Engineered Mind Podcast. Hi and welcome to the Engineered Mind podcast. In this podcast we cover topics such as engineering, artificial intelligence, neuroscience and other interesting topics to educate, inspire and engineer people's minds all around the world. I am your host Joseph, and in this podcast I welcome Lukasz Skotny. Lukasz is an FEA consultant and academic teacher. He has been involved with Finite Element Analysis, short FEA, for more than 10 years now, which included various projects in at least 20 countries on four continents. He also holds a PhD degree in Shell Stability Analysis. Thanks to his experience both in applied FEA and academic teaching, he is creating teaching material to avoid these frustrations. According to Lukasz, he says that FEA is the wonderful tool that can have a tremendous impact on your career. Give it a try, you won't regret it. In this episode, we will not only talk how we got hooked in FEA and realized how scarce good materials were, but also how we spend long nights in frustration learning everything with trial and error. He will also give you great tips on how to get started in the finite element method and how to develop your skills. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's my discussion with Lukas Scottney. Oh, hi, Lukas. Welcome to my podcast. It's really a pleasure to have a FEA specialist on my show and we yeah. get
1: Youssef, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. And what we get started with is, as always, to give an introduction to yourself and let the audience know who you are.
1: Wow, that's a tricky start, I guess. I rarely do those. Uh, so my name is Lukas. Uh, I I've been doing FEA for like ten years now, maybe a bit more. I have a PhD in shell stability, which basically means I, at some point in my life, I had enormous amount of free time. I didn't know what to do with, and uh, I am lucky enough to have a company that actually do fea and uh, i hire a few people and we have fun uh, doing a bunch of weird projects i guess and this is more or less what i do uh, i'm pretty interested in this topic as well i, I have a blog uh, about fea as well and i teach it online and offline as well so that's more or less what I do.
0: Mm -hmm, That's super cool. So let's jump right into the difficult stuff. Um, (laughs) What what would you say uh, if someone wants to become an FEA specialist, what would you recommend them to do? What path should they take?
1: Okay, so this is a pretty tricky thing to get into. I mean, I I strongly believe that the fundamentals of fea the basics are actually more challenging than than the advanced stuff in some sense and this is mostly because most people think they know the basics while in fact they don't and this will affect everything they do like regardless if you are using like a very simplistic linear analysis or super hardcore difficult nonlinear explicit whatever then if you mess up the fundamentals it will produce stupid outcomes regardless of how awesome and how complex software you use and how complex analysis you can set and successfully run. So sadly, starting in FEA is a frustrating thing. And I did, like, it took me several years to, you know, get off the ground. And uh, the problem with me was that I started on my PhD and uh, simply my PhD thesis tutor told me like, look, this is a PhD, you need to do FEA. And, I, like, believe me or not, while I, I really enjoy FEA now, like, I was terrified and disgusted at the same time. Because, like, the only thing I could think of was, like, oh, matrix operations. Like, how am I going to do that? Like, I'm very lazy with mathematics. I'm, I'm not good at differential equations and anything like it. So, to me, this was, like, a death sentence <laughs> to me FEA. So, I did, like something that any reasonable person would do. Like there was a task I was supposed to do that was a shell stability thing. And back then I had no idea that this is actually difficult. Like I thought like, you know, a task is any other. So I modeled the shell and spent like two years trying to run my first nonlinear analysis. The, um, not my brightest moments. So when you want to start yourself, I would say that what you want to do is actually start with something, something simple. And it would be best to start with something you can calculate with different means by this i mean uh, maybe you studied engineering of some sort like civil engineering or shipbuilding or like i don't know space stuff whatever Mm -hmm. right and sometimes somewhere during those studies you most likely had strength of materials like static designs the, the basic fundamental mechanical subjects and most likely some more advanced things connected to your industry the field you, you you study so if you know how to design something by hand with pen and paper calculations even in a very simplistic rudimental way this is a huge advantage because you can then design something that you know is okay and you know it because you know how to design it and then try to do the same thing with fea and i would start with very very simple models because if you will start with something very complex um this would be very frustrating so i was lucky enough that with my phd i was fighting with nonlinear stuff all the time and and i basically got like 10000 different error messages but at the same time in my company i could do some more simple stuff and uh, develop my skills this way. So, so finally I catch up with, with the fundamentals to, to, to do the more complex stuff. So I would definitely focus on something very simple and aim for something I know how to solve. And um, if someone would say, but I, I, know, I have no idea how to design stuff at all. Like there is nothing I know. In which case I would say it's better to actually learn how to design something before you start learning FEA because it will be a wasted effort. FEA is just a calculator and y- you can be an awesome calculator operator with like, you know, 20,000 digits punched per minute or whatever, like this doesn't help you solve any problem because you need to know how to, you, you need to be able to imagine the solution first. So uh, knowing how to design something, even if this is like a very simple beam, that's a good start. And and I would start from there and, and if you can do it at your job or as a freelance engineer, or even like volunteering work, um, if it's connected to a real life problem at some point, um, the problems will get more and more complicated b- by themselves. Like, you, you don't have to do anything. It will, it will just happen to you over time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's excellent advice, Lukasz. Um Of course, you also give classes on your website about teaching FEA. What do you yeah, think are the most common mistakes people make in their beginnings? Let's start maybe with linear versus non-linear.
1: Okay, well, I would say that even before, like linear versus non-linear is definitely a huge topic. Uh, and, But I would say that even before that, people make a lot of wrong assumptions. So, mm. But to answer your question first, I would say that I've read somewhere, in one of Nathan's books, but I don't recall the title. I always promise myself to keep it at hand because I mention it a lot, but I I never do it because I'm lazy, I guess. But in one of those books, they they, they say that at least 90% of all FEA done worldwide, if I uh, remember the the number, um, is actually done in linear FEA. And I strongly suspect that most of it shouldn't be. The thing is that if you don't know how to do a nonlinear FEA, it's better to do linear than do nothing, most likely. And it's also seeing the safety factors and you know the engineer how engineering is done in general. Uh, the linear often works. It's not a I don't want to say proper solution because, like, it works, right? Like, you can be a very good experienced engineer during linear FEA, and even though you are analyzing nonlinear problems in a linear way, you're so experienced and you have such a big understanding of it that you can kind of make sense of the outcomes you get, right? But it's not a general advice, something like, oh, you're new, do linear FEA, you'll be fine. This is not how it works. Like, it's actually more difficult to do uh, linear calculations of a nonlinear problem that makes sense then do nonlinear calculations because like in nonlinear, this happens like solver does the work in linear you have to do the solver's work and think things through it's much more complicated this way uh, so obviously people too often uh, f- assume that the problem can be simplified to a linear problem and while in many cases that's okay like the most common question I would get from my subscribers when they have something to ask would be something like, I got 700 megapascals of stress in my steel structure. Is it acceptable? Like, because I know it's not real. It must be an FEA mistake or something like that. So that that would be a classical, uh, okay, you you most likely can use linear analysis and most likely the outcome is okay, but you just don't understand enough to make sense out of it. So uh, when it comes to linear versus nonlinear, that would be one. Definitely stability. So, people, especially those who didn't study civil engineering, struggle with stability problems. Because in civil engineering, you have buckling, you have like lateral torsional buckling. Like, people after civil engineering, they have a few courses in steel structures and they kind of knew what stability is. In many different mechanical studies, this is not a subject. Like, if you're designing an engine, on, a, on your course, like there is no buckling there, right? Mm-hmm. But then uh, when you go to work and you actually have to design a gantry crane, for instance, like the buckling can be a problem and then you, you're defenseless against it. So that would be another linear, nonlinear phenomenon because there is a linear buckling analysis, nonlinear buckling analysis, so it gets complicated. However, I also feel that linear, nonlinear definition, the, the choice you make is not the most fundamental choice of FEA. I would say that people much more struggle with boundary conditions nobody teaches how to support your model like because it's it it depends like how do how would you imagine a book that like in 300 pages this tells you how you're supposed to support your particular problem right like it it would be too hard you need to understand how things work and put a lot of thought into it Mm -hmm. and analyze it deeply so uh, I, th- I think that this is why the, the gummy bear post I did on, on my blog about structural rigidity and what it means that things are more or less rigid in, in sense of su- support is so popular. Because it's it's kind of hard to, to explain that without using funny examples or differential equations. And since I'm lousy with differential equations, I need to use gummy bears. Like, you know, everybody, everybody deserves something. So in my case, that, that would be gummy bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think that, that would be the boundary conditions and that would be a bigger struggle, at the, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But what I'm afraid most is people who think they know how to do it while they don't. Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, after you define this explicit, super crash test analysis, and you feel like the master of the world, right, you instantly assume that you know the fundamentals, because mathematics work this way. Like, if I can solve this super huge differential equation, this automatically means I know how to add, I know how to multiply, it's kind of inherited. Right In FEA, it doesn't work this way. Like You can solve a super complex analysis of a very wrongly defined problem. And then the outcomes are bad. But people think that since I can do the complex analysis, I know how to do the basics. And that, mm. that,
0: that's, that, that would be one of the biggest issues. Mm. That's very cool and valuable input, Lukasz. If people, um, most of them struggle also with the question, I want to know if my component fails. Would you go personally always with the Mises criterion? <laughs>
1: well that's the short answer is no uh because i can from the top of my head think think about structures that can fail even though the phone misses stress is okay like everything in stability basically would be like that right Mm -hmm. like you you get the buckling way before you even reach regions remotely close to yielding in in some sense right on another hand uh, when you do linear analysis especially you can get a structure that has in peak stresses somewhere in stress concentrations uh, you get like absurdly high stress like i don't know 10 maybe 5000 megapascals and it's still okay because like you know it's a very small region and yielding will redistribute it to to the sides so no von mises isn't uh, the only thing i would check uh, if i would have to pick I would rather say that instead of checking phonemes' stress, I will check plastic strains. But that already implicates that I'm doing nonlinear analysis, and strains are a better measure of if something will fail due to stress, let's say, Mm. however stupid this sounds. But also, there there is the whole region of fatigue and and other things, even though it could be argued that stress is involved, like there are components and stuff, so things can easily become complicated quickly, but on the other hand, if you are designing a bulky stuff, like uh, engine shell or whatever, that is not subject to fatigue or any funky stuff, like super high temperatures and stuff, um, then I would say that FonMises is actually pretty decent. So, so I'm not saying that it doesn't work. I definitely use the criteria. It's just, it's it's not the end of, of what you can accomplish and what you can
0: get. Mm-hmm. What I want to talk about now is um, what the most difficult topic you can have in order to grasp it properly, like the the concept of FEA. But the problem is always there's a balance between this famous imposter syndrome, and actually pretending that you know something what you already mentioned, and actually not knowing it. You know because there's not one topic, you would say, Hey, if you know this topic, you're a master in FEA, because there's so many topics. Mm-hmm. What's your yeah. standpoint on that? Well,
1: I'm always reluctant to call myself an expert mm-hmm. and I feel that anybody who's like younger than 60 should be reluctant regardless of what they are doing. On another hand like if you're like 18 and you have a thousand Instagram followers you're already an expert on something today right so uh, this word is so overused that it I, I feel that it doesn't have any meaning anymore like it's so that's cringy in some sense right uh, so that would be the first part. I'm I get a feeling that there is this famous Dunning-Krager curve that at the beginning you you think you know everything and you don't know nothing and then then it falls down and you go up in the enlightenment slope. So uh, definitely if if someone thinks that they know everything, they should be very careful, especially since like if you just finished university and you happen to think you know a lot about stuff, like rethink that. (laughs) Rethink that before someone gets hurt. (laughs) That's a very good advice. Mm. So, so definitely that. Uh, But also, I feel that in time, people kind of gain, become humble in some sense, because the, the more complex problems you try to solve, the more you realize that even if you know how to solve this particular super complex problem, you equally don't know how to solve enormous amount of other very complex problems and assuming that your field is just this super complex stuff and everything else is simple um like you just you cannot think this way so i agree fea is a super complex field and there is a lot if i would have to name one thing that is the most difficult Uh, I will still get back to boundary conditions Uh, and I feel that's the case. Okay, sometimes converging super complex analysis is difficult, but it's a difficult in a way that you learn how to swear and curse in several different languages, right? Like you need to have a punching bag at your office and you just, you know, you you need to get it out of your system. But um, in the end, convergence won't kill anybody because if you cannot converge an analysis there are no outcomes so nobody gets hurt right and if you do a bad boundary condition stuff or maybe load your model in a stupid unrealistic way then uh, then i guess uh, you actually have a chance to hurt someone or a lot of someone's so um, that would be very difficult of course analyzing outcomes but in the end Uh, like if I would have to sum it up somewhat, I would say that it's engineering knowledge that is the most difficult in FEA. Like the technical skills of how to set it up in my software, like this can be acquired relatively quickly. But if you don't understand why and what you're trying to accomplish, like there are no YouTube guides on how should I solve my problem. But there are a lot of how to click to get this outcome in my software. I mean, you can easily Google that. Uh, so so the understanding, the, the, the meta-understanding of a problem would, would be the, the biggest challenge,
0: I think. Mm-hmm. Let's now assume you categorize um, the expert as level three, and then what would your level one and level two be in terms of knowledge you have to have in the field of finite element uh, analysis? Okay. Um,
1: I will try to sleep this question just a slight bit, mm-hmm. because um, Let's do it this way. When you're a beginner, so let's call it level one, as mm-hmm. as you suggested, then I would say that you should have a strong foundation in understanding some sort of engineering. That would be a very good benefit. Like if you studied political science and your major is in like biology and you took archery at university, it would be pretty damn difficult to start an FEA career. Like you don't have the fundamentals. And like sure you can, but like you know, it would take so much effort that it will be difficult. So at the very minimum, having this knowledge is great. And of course, as you progress in FEA and you solve more and more complex problems, your engineering knowledge and understanding will grow as well. So you don't have to be an expert in your field by any stretch of imagination, but having a strong base completely outside of FEA, like even before you launch any software whatsoever, If you can solve something by hand and you kind of understand the very basics of it, FEA is a great tool for you to deepen the knowledge in FEA and by doing so deepen the knowledge in engineering. So that's wonderful. And it would be nice to, you know, be able to make a geometry in FEA, like the very basic CAD operations, like, you know, the the basic stuff. And then meshing it, nothing Like, I know that people start teaching FEA with, like, uh, shape functions of elements. Like, I finished my PhD thesis not even knowing that there are shape functions. (laughs) So so you'll be fine without that at the start. As long as you know how to mesh your model and you googled like, 20 nice mesh models on uh, Google Mm. images. And you simply see, okay, this is how it's supposed to look like, more or less. You're fine. Like that's, that's my level when I, when I was doing a PhD. So, so, so that's enough. And that would be level one. Uh, uh, of course, knowing also that, okay, I can have a fun, of stress and sometimes it can be higher than yield and it doesn't mean that everybody will die. Um, it's a super stress reliever because I would say that on level one, when your boss or, or your customer, depending on your situation, uh, ask you to deliver something, right? And you do the analysis and you get 400 megapascals of stress beyond yield. Like the instant fault is it will fail. And then your customer tells you something like, dude, like we're using this for 20 years. And you're like, well, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> so it's good to know that it's it's more than that. Like having this this comprehension that, that things are more complex, that, that you would think like, I I think that that would be the the best asset. Then on level two, you kind of start to understand more and you realize that linear analysis may not be the best approach that there are nonlinear solutions and those make things easier. Sure. uh, At some level, you need to grab hold of an FEA software that actually allows you to do stuff in nonlinear realm relatively accurately. And while there are open soft open source solutions for that uh, nowadays it's also a costly thing so so it's it's kind of hard to start there purely from financial reasons so, and and that's that's definitely an issue uh, but when you s- grab hold of any software that actually can do nonlinear playing around doing stuff checking what works what doesn't i would say that th- that would put you in in the second category so so it're kind of like even though in design you still may use non-linear analysis, but sometimes from time to time you use nonlinear solutions as well. At least you're aware of it, kind of like you understand what it means. And that, that would be a nice move. And then like, you know, in time you become good at what you become good at. And um, yeah, let's call it level three. Sure. And then you become an expert, but then, I think that be, with becoming an expert, you also suddenly realize that you're not an expert in anything else. By this, I mean, when I was on level one and two, I did designs that I would never do today because I would be too afraid. Like I, I, I know now some things about few things, which also means that I know that I don't know as much about anything else, which makes it stressful mm-hmm. to some degree to say, OK, so let's do something else. right? Uh, so it kind of focuses you a lot and sure world need a lot of focused specialists because like think about it this way if you if you would have to buy a dog house for your puppy uh, like you wouldn't go to a normal carpenter you would rather go to a carpenter who specializes in building dog houses because he's the best dude like he's the one right and it's your puppy so you want the, the best thing right and then Someone can say, well, but he's losing a lot of market because he's not building tables, he's not doing furniture and stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, he's the best in in what he does, right? So while you narrow what what you want to accomplish in some sense, you also, uh, you can go deep. But with FEA, the cool thing is that you can switch industries. So if you're like a specialist in some sort of analysis, It doesn't mean that you will do uh, dog houses because in some sense in FEA relation, that would mean that you know how to cut a hole that is circular in few boards and you can apply the same skill somewhere else. Mm. So so with FEA, it's the same. Like you have a a big freedom of choice, which is great because not only you can specialize in something, you can use this specialty in different areas of life, in, in different areas of engineering, perhaps. And that's a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. So that when you're at the point that you can switch industries and do whatever you like, in some sense, I I would say that that's when you start to become an expert or
0: specialist. in it. Super cool. Um, We also want to talk about the psychological aspect of this, this burden of learning something, (laughs) No, no, no matter if it's FEA or maybe CFD or anything else. It's like having the strength of mind. Maybe you can talk about that. This also this psychological pressure that you accumulate maybe over time.
1: Okay, so, well, I should say that I'm a workaholic. Uh, so, <laughs> like, this really helps. Like, if, if you want to start your career. But, you know, not only in FEA, in anything in general. Being a workaholic is a super big advantage. The only problem is that at some point you start to be depressed. <laughs> and then you need to deal with it. So, mm-hmm. after you are d- dealt with it, that's fine. Like, I'm more or less okay now. So, mm, but it's hard. And also... Uh, I get a feeling that FEA is a rather stressful job. And I don't think you get, um, you don't get resistant to stress in some degree. Like it, it always gets you because sure, like the the less complex problems don't stress me, but I always do more complex problems anyway, because I develop. So so like you're doing more and more complex things. So they are more or less equally stressful. It doesn't get worse, but it doesn't get that much better. So uh FEA is often used when traditional design methods doesn't work. So something is complex enough or hasn't been done before in a way that requires some more accurate analysis. And by definition, those problems tend to be stressful. Like if you if you have already designed 100 steel buildings and you're designing 100 first, you can do it when you're drying, like when you're half asleep, or, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you will do it, like, automatically. You don't even have to think about it to some degree, right? And if you're always doing something that nobody has done before, or that it's super complex and you need to put a lot of attention in very small details, then, then it gets stressful. And, yeah, it, it is stressful. Like, I, I, I admit that. Of course, like, the more stressful job, or more responsible, I should say, job you get. Uh, you earn more, like there is a prestige with it as well. And, and that's that's fine. Uh, but it's good to be, it's good to have a certain belief in your skills. And at the beginning, maybe not, but after you fall from the peak of dunning Kruger curve and you're down there completely depressed, knowing that you know nothing and life makes no sense, then you start slowly to learn. And as you learn, you kind of build the confidence in your ability not to solve a particular problem, but rather to approach it something you haven't done before and find a way. Mm-hmm. So I'm now comfortable to say to my customer, look, I never did it before. I have no idea how to solve it today, but I will find my, I will find a way. Like I've solved a lot of problems. I did my stuff. I know that I can solve it. I don't know yet how, but I knew like two months and and I will do it. Right. So and this is a very, like, it gives you comfort in some sense. It, it's good to have the skill you can kind of rely on and hope that whatever comes, you will deal with it. It's a, it's a very nice feeling because, like, you learn to depend on yourself. It's like in life, that's, that's a very good thing. But um, getting there tends to be stressful. Like, I, I, I used to be extremely stressed about my work now it's a bit better because mm, i i trust myself and my skills more like i trust people i employ and uh, like it's easier on me in some sense but uh, but being resilient to stress uh, is a good thing because otherwise it can eat you alive and if you start losing sleep over the projects you're trying to solve like that's not cool so 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 uh, having the strength to, to say, okay, I'm doing the best I can. And look, if you're doing the best you can, it has to be enough because you cannot do anything else. Like if you're doing already everything you can, that's just that. Like there is nothing else. Right? So so understanding that and having this belief in the fact that in the end things will be all right and I will figure out how to solve this problem. I, I think that's, that would be important. And in time you kind of get used to it i guess and and that's okay as well like you you trust yourself more and more and while problems get more complicated you also grow as a professional mm. i think you grow faster than the problems get more complicated to mm. some degree perhaps
0: yeah lukash what is your favorite finite element book do you have one <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can say oh, your you own book
1: Uh, Yeah, okay. Now, I I rarely read it. uh, I must confess that I actually once didn't know how to do something. And I searched it. And I found a post I did like two years ago. And (laughs) it was described. (laughs) So, so, yeah, I'm a user of my own blog. And that's good. (laughs) But I I, I must confess, I I I rarely read it. Like, um, I'm not a book kind of guy, I guess. Uh, What I tried, I I admit I do. I, I have several books that are considered super good fea books i I even run a maybe not a competition but every time any subscriber asks me for a good book i write them back saying like look i i have no suggestions uh, but if you find one send me a title i will buy it and and if it's a good book i will recommend it to everybody else so i bought several books already all of them are terrible i i won't name authors because that's not about it if you would like to found your own company that writes solvers and you want to, you know, write your own solver and sell it as a product, software product, then there is a lot of good literature out there. Like uh, Klaus-Jürgen Jürgen- Bat, the professor from MIT who's mm-hmm. doing ad- Adina, yep. like his book is astonishing. Crisfield volume two, it even has code snippets. For FEA nonlinear solutions, so that's cool. Right? But if you want to like really design stuff with FEA, I haven't found a good book yet. Uh, so uh, I actually figure out that I will write one on, on of my own, but um, I'm just starting. So it will still be at least a year before I'm done. So mm-hmm. uh,
0: for, for now, it's it's just difficult. Uh, once you wrote your book, maybe we can do another podcast and then you can present. Oh, what you're... definitely. <laughs> oh,
1: that that would be awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. But to wrap things up, where can people find you? And how can people reach out to you, Lukas?
1: Okay, so uh, people can easily find me on my blog, enterfea.com. And uh, they can read about it there. Uh, if someone would like to know how good they are in FEA, they can always take my quiz. Uh, like several thousand people already did it so it's on fea.com slash quiz and this is where i hang out most of the time i i have some linkedin following so 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 you can find me there as well but uh, i usually post few few short paragraphs on linkedin and and the, the majority of my work is on the blog so so you can easily find me there and learn something about fea and um uh, the email for me is enterfea at enterfea.com. So you can shoot me an email and, you know, ask something or say something. So I'm always happy, even though my rep- I have a 100% reply rate, but sometimes it takes me uh, like a week to reply to all the emails I get. Because, you know, like I have a company that <laughs> designs FEA stuff, so <laughs> it's, it's a rather time consuming. So mm. I cannot spend as much time as I would like on replying to emails.
0: But you still reply. That's very honorable. Some people don't even reply.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always reply. I, 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 always reply, and I tend to give advice and and whatever. But yeah, I guess that if I get like three times more popular, I would have to solve it
0: somehow because at some
1: point the the, the amount of emails you get is 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 just absurd but
0: yeah so far i'm i'm above water when it comes to this so it's i know what you mean um we should also mention that lucas has a youtube channel and he will start a podcast series if i'm not mistaken yes well i i already have a mic as you can see uh so
1: so it should happen sometime uh yeah the plan is to to actually start a podcast about engineering fea and, uh, and stuff like that and I, I promised myself before the recording uh, that I will have a date and like a mouse announce announcement, but truth be told, we, we have a big project now, so uh, it has to wait a bit. And most likely I will have to batch record like 20 episodes in advance to be able to release them while I, while I work to, to, to have as at least a small hope to be consistent. <laughs> mm.
0: So that sounds good. And um, I will put every link down to your channels, website, and so Thanks. on. Down awesome. in the description. Is there anything else you would like to tell the audience, Lucas?
1: Uh, well, if I would have to give last final advice about how stressful FEA is. Um, never open your old projects like it's (laughs) unhealthy (laughs) like I did it so many times (laughs) like you know uh, it's funny because at some point you start to think that you know what you're doing right and and then a few years pass and you don't feel that you're doing things differently you don't feel that you grew in any significant way and then you by accident or by searching for something you open an old project and it's like Wait, what? Like, how could I even did it like that? That's and you spend like two weeks checking if everything will be okay. So, so opening old projects is very stressful, and I highly recommend you not to do that. That's,
0: that, that would be. A I good think process. that's very, very good advice, Lukas. So, with that being said, thank you so much, Lukas, for your for your great advice. We yeah. we run through it, but we have learned so much. I have learned so much, and I think the audience as well
1: thank you Yusuf. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here and yeah you know, I'm, I'm super happy that you invited
0: me yeah. so thank you and hopefully we'll have a second part as mentioned in the future yeah i, I really hope that as well thank you so much bye bye yeah you too bye